Hello and welcome to the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at DCC, and we want to thank you for joining us as we continue in our series of podcasts that focus on current topics and events that are shaping our society, the world of education, and the local church. In this episode, we are continuing in our series that we've titled Spending Time with the Text. We kicked this off several weeks ago, and we are honored to have the head of DCC's Bible Department, Dr. Mark Kalin, with us once again to share his scriptural insights with the purpose of helping us all grow as followers of Christ who are able to correctly explain the word of truth. In addition to Dr. Halen, Mr. Mark Worley, the voice of the DCC Leadership Podcast, is here to help facilitate today's discussion. So, Mark, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you kick off this episode with Dr. Halen. Yeah, thanks, Scott. This is pretty awesome because uh, there's so much about Easter and the resurrection story. It's uh, it's a central focus of Christianity, or certainly one of the central focus of Christianity. But, Mark... Uh, you know, we, we, Dr. Halen, we've taken a look at uh, some of the traditions, like in church on uh, Easter Sunday, we say, He is risen, He is risen indeed. I mean, you respond to that. That goes all the way, uh, Scott, when we were in Russia together. I mean, yeah, they love the saying ancient that. Ancient church. But, but there's other phrases that are involved uh, with Jesus' resurrection. And I, I know you've uh, recently done some pretty intensive study on this, so... Uh, what are some of the other phrases uh, that are that are mentioned in in the Bible? Okay, well, the the notion of He is risen, okay, and the old hymn, "Up from the grave He arose," they reflect uh, they they're statements that highlight Jesus' power and Jesus Jesus' action, and that reflects twenty statements in the Greek New Testament that use the Greek verb anistemi, which means I stand up, or I arise, or I get up. There's 20 times where that, where that word anistemi is used in the New Testament in connection with the resurrection of Jesus. That's a significant number, 20. Uh, he arose. However, that's the minority voice. There, there's another usage in the Greek New Testament that's complementary uh, to this notion of onistomy. And that's the, the use of the Greek verb agero, agero, which, which means to raise or to arouse. And it is, it is significant that there are 31 uses of agero which are in the passive voice which means he was raised or he is raised. So I know this is going to send shivers down the spine of many of our listeners. We're going to have to go back to English grammar class in high school. Okay, active voice is when the subject does the action. Mark Worley barbecues the brisket. Amen. Passive voice is when the subject receives the action. The brisket was barbecued by Mark Worley. Agero is used 31 times in the passive to talk about the resurrection. He was raised. Another additional 20 times 
we see God raised Jesus. God raised the Son. In fact, some of the, the more familiar phrases we have in the Gospels in a lot of our English Bibles actually kind of cloud this. For instance, most English translations in, in uh, Matthew 28, 6 uh, says something like, He's not here, for he has risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. More literally, it should be rendered, he's not here, he has been raised. Some Come see the place where he lay. Mark 16, 6, I think is really interesting when you if you translate it with the passive, because then it's instead of saying, uh, uh, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he has risen, he's not here. Instead, it's, he was raised, and then he's, he's not here. He was raised. He's not here. And then the next sentence is, see the place where they laid him. The Romans and his friends, they're all complicit in laying Jesus down, but someone has raised him. Yeah. And, and that's... That's the Father. That's God the Father. And like I said, there are like 20 times where we see passages where the Father raised the Son, or God raised Jesus, or He was raised. Now, that may not seem all that significant, but I, but it, and it's not contradictory, it's complementary. Those that talk about He arose emphasize Jesus' power. Those that emphasize that God raised him or imply God raised him when it's in the passive, just he was raised, are emphasizing a theme that's found in the Old Testament in the servant songs of Isaiah. For in the servant songs, the servant trusts in Yahweh, the Lord. He is dependent upon Yahweh to vindicate him. He's going to suffer but he will be vindicated by Yahweh. For instance, in Isaiah 50, the third, third servant song, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I've set my face like flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who's my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. So he's, he trusts in God to vindicate him. And of course, the most famous passage where this occurs is in the last stanza of the fourth servant song, what's often called the suffering servant song of Isaiah 52, 12 through 53, 12, or 53, 52, 13 through 53, 12. Yet it was the will of, the, of Yahweh to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of Yahweh shall prosper in his hands. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I'll divide him a portion with the many, 
and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the, trans, uh, for the transgressors. So the idea is that the servant will trust in the Father. And so Jesus trusts in the one that he cried out to on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I think the ancient reader and we, the contemporary reader, when we see that, then when we approach death and when we approach any adversity in life, if the father raised the son, he can raise me. If the father vindicated the servant, no matter what trial I'm going through, he can bring me through it. And we see that theme, uh, Paul especially brings out this theme in the New Testament, that the same one who raised the Son will raise us. Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Notice he didn't just say bodies. He yeah. said mortal bodies, yeah. deathifiable bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 2 Corinthians 4.14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. And then in Colossians 2, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Not just a future idea, but a right now idea. You, this has happened to you. You have been as sure as the Father raised the Son, he has raised you through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So he is risen indeed, but he is risen because the Father raised him. Oh, and good. we can trust the same powerful God, the same loving God who vindicated the servant will vindicate and raise us. Yeah, Mark, I'm so glad that you went to uh, Paul because, man, as you were talking in Isaiah, my mind was just filled with different phrases of Paul, who obviously was was an Old Testament scholar himself. And I just thought that was so incredible. I mean, I was thinking like Ephesians 1, the same power that brought Jesus from the grave is available to us who believe. Man, uh, just incredible stuff. So, so uh, how would that be not just the hope, but the power that it gives us uh, when, when we realize that Christ uh, was raised and we will too. Yeah, it's a, it's a constant theme. And, and, and in the Gospel of John, if they do this to me, they're going to do it to you. But you don't need to be, you don't need to be fearful because you're going to see what the Father will do for me. And therefore, you can know that he will do that for you as well. And again, not just the physical resurrection, 
but the sustaining presence of God, that we live a transformed life. We begin, this is one of John's big themes, is eternal life begins now. We are now in resurrected life, and that means the one who vindicated the Son, the one who raised the Son, is, is with us is with us now. And it, and it is, by the way, one of the more interesting passages in the New Testament that combines both of the active he arose and the passive he was raised is actually in John 2, the famous scene where Jesus, you know, clears out the temple, you know, and, you know, what sign, what sign are you going to give us that you have the authority to do this? And Jesus answered and said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken us 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? And then John adds in verse 21 and 22, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised by the Father from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Yeah, that, that's an interesting concept, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Dr. Halen, uh, about this idea of uh, did God raise Jesus or did Jesus raise himself? Or... Uh, you know, how does yeah. that affect the Trinity? How does that affect all of that? It, the many people's conception of the of the doctrine of the Trinity is a little bit off, actually. Many people think, with shorthand thinking, that okay, it's three and one. There's God, Father, and Holy Spirit. So far, so good. But then they they go off, they kind of go off the deep end, and they say they're all the same. No, they're not all the same. If they're all the same, then, then these 50 texts that talk about Jesus being raised or the Father raising don't make any sense. God didn't raise himself, nor does the baptism narrative make sense. Who is talking to Jesus uh, at the baptism? Who is Jesus talking to in Gethsemane? Uh, <laughs> the doctrine of the Trinity is that they are one in that they are united, but they are three separate personalities who are united in their godness, in their divinity, but they are three separate entities, three separate personalities. And by the way, maybe a subject for another day, I think that's one reason why Paul often, in like in 1 Corinthians, uses Trinitarian language when he's talking about the unity of the church, that we, we are united, we are one, yet we have differing gifts. We are united, yet we must work together. You know, mm -hmm. that, that uh, and he uses Father, Son, and the Spirit yep. in those contexts to, to say, no member of the Trinity is lording it, lording it over the other one, saying, it's all about me, it's all about me, which is what the Corinthians were doing. It's all about me, it's all about me says, no, you need to act like the Trinity, where they're working together for common purpose. Yeah, again, I was thinking about Ephesians there as well. You know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's overall. Yeah, so, so God, um, in, in, the t in the 20 texts that you mentioned, God raised him 
from the dead. That would be a pretty powerful moment that God has done. And, 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 and Paul in Romans indicates he, do, he does it by the Spirit. He implied that he did it through the Holy Spirit because he said yeah. the same, if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. okay, And so, so all three were working together in this momentous event that is the center of our faith, the resurrection. And I always like to point out to people that it's, 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 it is a comforting and a powerful thing to remember that all three personalities in the Godhead, in the Trinity, are working for your salvation. They have that goal in mind. Okay, So you have endless power accessible to you if you will but accept it mm-hmm. and use it. Yeah, there's that Ephesians 1. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. And that's incredibly empowering to have that much hope, Dr. Allen. Powerful, yeah. I love it. This has been a, uh, a great conclusion to our spending time with the text series and coming on the heels of the resurrection that we celebrated yesterday. It just gives it uh, a fuller meaning. So thank you, Dr. Halen, for sharing that. We hope that you, our listeners, have enjoyed this episode of the DCC Leadership Podcast. You can check out other episodes on many different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Podfriend. If you'd like to learn more, about Dallas Christian College, our degree programs, and the scholarships that we have available, you can check us out at www.dallas.edu. Until next time, stay safe and healthy. Keep looking up. We're going to get through this together with God's help and through His power that is at work within us. Take care. Have a great day.